Hello, and welcome to the What If It's Not Depression podcast. Whether you're here to learn about the root causes of depressive-like symptoms, wanting to know more about alternative solutions, or you're a biohacker looking to optimize your mental health and brain, this podcast is for you. I am Dr. Achina Stein, and I will be your host on your journey to resolving depressive-like symptoms and optimizing your mood. You're listening to the What If It's Not Depression podcast, hosted by Dr. Achina Stein. Welcome to the What If It's Not Depression podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Achina Stein. And today I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Anna Maria Temple about kids. And she is a board certified pediatrician, a holistic pediatrician. She's been treating kids for 18 plus years, practicing in a traditional model for 10 years until transitioning to a holistic approach where she has changed thousands of children's lives. She is known for her extensive experience in the treatment of eczema specifically and other childhood autoimmune diseases. Dr. Anna Maria Temple is a best-selling author of Healthy Kids in an Unhealthy World and is a social media influencer that has appeared on hundreds of podcasts, news stations, stage presentations, and online programs. Welcome, Dr. Anna Maria Temple. I'm so excited to be here. Oh yeah, where do we start? We have so much to talk about when it comes to kids because I have had children in my practice. And one of the things that I really wanted to deep dive with you on is, you know, we might know exactly what to do in terms of nutrition. We give a plan to the parents, right? And, uh, you know, lots of vegetables, healthy fats, take out the sugar, take out the carbs, the grains, right? Take out the dairy even, and maybe some other foods that uh, children tend to be sensitive to, to bring down inflammation in the body. But the hard part comes is, is, is actually implementing that plan, right? Because of well, taste. knowing and doing, yeah, yes. knowing and doing are two different things. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I would love to hear from you since you see thousands of kids and work with thousands of parents <laughs> about what you do. What are some tips that you can give our population uh, about how to get healthy food into children? Got it. So it's my specialty. We work with this all the time, right? Because you can't, without nutrition, we're not going to get anywhere. Um, first thing, you got to start with mindset. If you really truly believe that the way to heal your children is through mindset, you're going to make immense strides in your household. And having both parents and all people in the household on the same plan. Oftentimes I'll get people that come in and the mom is usually the driver. Dad doesn't really believe. Dad is still like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I really like my you know, fast food and my sodas and stuff. And mom is trying to fight the good fight. And of course, it's a, it's a very difficult battle instead of a journey because now the mom is doing one thing, dad is doing another thing. So mindset, believing that this is really where you need to be and this is going to solve and help with a lot of your children's issues. Number two, getting both parents and really I would even say siblings on board so we can decrease the discord. This is already hard enough. We don't need extra battles, as I said. Right. Then number three is 
starting slow, doing one thing at a time. Oftentimes when we get a plan, you're like, you know, remove the dairy, the gluten, the blah, you know, it's, it's so overwhelming and we just want to do everything. And for some families that's doable, for a lot of families, it's not. Just go along the pace that you feel comfortable doing. When I started my healing journey, my kids had ADHD, anxiety, constipation, recurrent ear infections, asthma, allergies, everything that you can possibly think of. All my kids had it. And when we started, I started with the Cheez-Its. I was like, all right, we're going to take the Cheez-Its. And at that time, my kids were eating gluten and dairy and stuff, but we were eating garbage. We were eating processed food, food coloring, preservatives, fast food, all the stuff that I'm like, no, don't eat it. We were eating it. And so I just started with the Cheez-Its. I was like, all right, for the Cheez-Its, I'm going to find an alternate cracker that has real ingredients without food coloring and without the preservatives in this box. And I went to the store and that was my goal. And that can be even that can be daunting because there's like thousands of options of crackers. Oh my gosh, how do you choose? And that's why you partner up with somebody, you know, like us that can guide you in. Okay, try these brands. Don't worry about these other brands and then move from there. And then after I, I tackled the cheeses, I went to the Ritz crackers. After the Ritz crackers, I went after breakfast. And my kids were eating Lucky Charms for breakfast and Pop-Tarts. Right. And on a good day, they were eating toaster strudels when they were getting a hot breakfast. I mean, I'm just like, so I was like, okay, so now I have to get these people to eat fruits and vegetables And so I had to have a little think. I was like, okay, they're going to completely reject this. So instead of saying no in my family, I said, you know what? Hey, kids, who thinks that they can do a strawberry milkshake for breakfast? And of course, everyone's like, what? And I was like, and there's ice cream in it. They're like, what? And you're thinking like, what is she lady talking about? But my plan was if I can get these kids to accept a smoothie at breakfast that tasted like strawberries, I can move on from there. And our first smoothie was ice cream, milk, and strawberries. And the kids drank it. They thought it was so delicious. It was amazing. And then they drank that. They didn't really have as much of their lucky charms, whatever. Well, over the next several weeks, I added a leaf of spinach. I added, you know, a bit of mango. I took away the ice cream slowly and replaced it with a whole fat yogurt. And then over time, I removed the whole fat yogurt, replaced it with dairy-free yogurt. I took the milk anyway, and then added chia seeds and then hemp hearts and then omegas. And, you know, to the, today... My kids get about 15 plant points in a smoothie in the morning, and we start out with one. But let me tell you something. Starting out with one plant point is better than zero. And it is a journey. Again, it didn't happen overnight. My kids smoothie, and I have a very picky eater. Let me just back it up. My, My pickiest eater right now is 15 and a half years old. He refused to eat everything. Thing that was not processed. He is a sugar addict. He is a sugar monger. And so I had my, you know, fight cut out for, for me. And if you would see a food, he would reject it immediately before even touching it. So start slow, try to co- get creative. I decided that smoothies were my creative power and I made it my superpower. And now I make superpower smoothies. And next, tell kids that we're going to do a plant at every meal. Uh, on Instagram, my most popular challenge is a plant point challenge. And you have to get 13 plant points a day. You have a little calendar and everybody's got to write plant points. Here's the best part. You don't have to eat an entire bowl of strawberries to count as one plant point. You just have to eat one strawberry. And for my really picky eaters, one bite of a strawberry. For 
Evan, my picky eater, when we were doing the plant point challenge on vacation, because I think kids should also eat a lot of plants on vacation. This is not the time that we're just going to eat garbage. And he is like, he loves the camera. So we, we did this whole thing where I'm like, okay, uh, Evan's going to eat plant points. So day one of vacation, he had like three plant points. Well, by day five, because he was on Instagram and everybody was watching him eat, he's like chewing on parsley, chewing on dill. He just took a bite. And I was like, well, that's a plant point. So you make it small, make it doable, make it a challenge. Challenges are fun. Make sure everybody in the family is going to do the challenge together. And then at the end of the challenge, have a reward. But whenever we make small, like again, small steps and fun steps, the kids are going to jump on it. So consider the plant point challenge as one of your items. Things that don't count, jelly. Yes, I know there's strawberries and jelly. That's a processed food. Um, you know, uh, oats and crackers, processed food doesn't count. Our goal is that we're going to get whole food plants on in, the, in our kids' bodies, even if we start with one bite at a time. Yeah, that's excellent. And I love the way you talk about getting the whole family on board because it's really hard for a child to see that a meal is being made just for them or just for mom and, and them because mom wants to be supportive. And I shouldn't, we shouldn't be really saying, I mean, it could be dad and them too, you know? So right, I'm just it's going majority not always time, mothers yeah. that, that are always uh, the ones that are doing everything. But, uh, you know, it's, I think it's important to make it a whole family endeavor and get everybody on board, both parents, because then you're not, you're not putting that child in the sick role. Like there's something wrong with you that you have to eat this way, you know, and as opposed to putting the message out to the entire family that we are all going to get well, we're all going to feel good because this is the way we should be eating food, you know, to, you know, and this is, and it's food in general that has created all of our issues, not just the issue in you, you know, the child is just the canary in the coal mine, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Yeah, exactly what I say. Yeah. And you know, when my, in my eczema program, because we talk about the whole family, what we notice is that when the whole family actually adopts the plan, moms have lost weight. Dads have gone off their cholesterol meds. Dads have stopped needing allergy medications. Acne was resolved. Migraines were gone away. So the parents were like, I didn't even know that there were like issues and they should feel different until we ate differently as a whole family. And lo and behold, they, they were able to identify several issues that were going on with them. And those issues got better. Right. Right. That really, I think, I, I think pediatricians are really at a good place in our system to be able to get the whole family on board and depathologize children's symptoms or illnesses or disorders, you know, when you really put it, put a family system in place. And that way the child doesn't feel like there's something wrong with them and they grow up like, oh, I had a problem or I'm bad or, you know, like it's unfortunate that there's layers of other issues that occur when you isolate a child as being the problem, right? Absolutely. And then the, the child feels like sometimes they feel less loved and then it becomes a whole, then it becomes a whole issue that will transfer to food, transfer to the supplements, the whole plan. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I love your approach. That was excellent. So what do you do about um, tastes and textures? Do you have any tricks for that? Yeah, absolutely. So for my kids that have 
so the different tastes. So I do like smoothies, but not everybody likes smoothies. So smoothies is one option. That's usually uh, my go-to is a smoothie. It's like, oh, right. they don't yeah, like and if they don't have it, like, all right. But let me, you know, tomato sauce. Tomato sauce is red. You can take a lot of vegetables that you roast. And you, whenever I make tomato sauce, it is always loaded with like 10 plant points. Because I will have like mushrooms hanging out in the freezer. I'll have like zucchini, squash, you know, all these things that you can actually roast ahead of time. Or let's say last night you roasted vegetables for the family. Your picky eater didn't eat any of them. Not a problem. Tonight, you guys are making a bolognese sauce. You can take those roasted vegetables and your pasta sauce and you put it in a blender and pulverize it and then make the rest of your bolognese sauce. So I always add roasted vegetables to my tomato sauce that nobody can see. Another one, if you do any curries, those are curries are so full of spices that not, I don't mean like spicy, like hot spices, but really flavorful, aromatic spices right. that my gosh, you can put so many vegetables in a curry sauce um, that, you know, whenever I make my tiki masala, I, I'm like, I always hate to share that with any Indian families. I'm like, they're going to be like, what are you doing? <laughs> Who are curries? Um, because I will jam it with so many vegetables. If I make burgers, you know, meatloaf, I always have vegetables in there. One, my Evan was like, I really love these burgers tonight, mom. I was like, why? He's like, because there's no green things in them. <laughs> there's always something green hanging out in one of the burgers. Um, and then if your child is super picky, another thing, you can actually use ketchup. So if they have ketchup, you can actually roast vegetables and put it in the ketchup. You're not going to put a whole cup of roasted vegetables in a tiny bottle of ketchup. Start out small, one tablespoon, because taste buds die every 30 days. So a third of our taste buds die every 30 days. In 90 days, you have all new taste buds. So if you just slowly, 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 and you have perseverance and you're just dedicated, you're gonna make, you're gonna be able to change the taste buds. I'll tell you, you know, we started our journey in 2007, and Evan was so super picky. And Last week, we were out of town at a conference, and my mother-in-law was watching him, and she calls me up and is like, just wanted to let you know, Evan has eaten all these foods. I cannot believe how many, what variety of foods he eats these days. I'm like, yeah, took 15 years to get there, but this mama is a persevering mama warrior, and my mission was he will have a, a diversified palate, and I will do what it takes, and I just every day come up with a new idea on what to do. Right, right. That's great ideas. Great ideas. And I, you know, I tell my parents that it does only have to be a little bit, a little bit of a piece to, to um, sort of even cultivate or get the microbiome because it's the microbiome that's eating the vegetables, right? And to diversify the microbiome uh, is even just introducing very small amounts. And, and that's all you need because then your palate will absolutely want that food. You'll start craving these vegetables and you don't really have to have a whole lot, just a teeny tiny bit. So I, I love your idea of just pulverizing it in a, uh, in a blender and just adding it to sauces or ketchup. Those are excellent ideas. Yeah. yeah so it can be really tough with the textures and the tastes and really, really hard. I get, it's so frustrating for so many of my parents that, that are wanting to get these vegetables in their kids <laughs> because they do really, many parents really believe in, in, in that food is medicine and that's the way they want to go. And so these tips are really fantastic. Why don't we shift gears and talk a little bit about screen time? 
because I know you are you have very strong opinions uh, and good opinions about screen time and you know and some really great ideas I would love for you to share them with with us Awesome. Well, actually, it's a great transition because when we talk about picky eaters, one of the tools a lot of parents use with picky eaters is using screen time at mealtimes. Mm. And, you know, there's this misconception that the more that the kids will watch the screen and therefore they'll eat better. That's actually false. And that's just a belief that we parents have put into our heads. I can't tell you how many parents we have in our program that were like, okay, so we're going to start weaning off. And we, what we realize is the parent is addicted to the screen time the, as much as, as the child. And what do I mean by that? Well, when the kids are eating with the screens, you don't have to converse with them. You don't have to talk to them. They, they seem entranced. So you can have a conversation with your spouse or you are on your own screen, which then has its own issues. So one of the things is like, let's remove screens from mealtimes. And again, you're not going to do it. If your child is used to having every time they drink a bottle, this is actually true for like people that I've treated in my practice, every time they drink a bottle, that they eat a meal, they have a snack, they have a screen, you're not going to be like cold turkey one day. That can be really daunting. Just start with one thing. All right, from this day forward at breakfast, we'll no longer have screens. Why? The batteries ran out. You're like, I don't want to lie to my children. I'm like, really? Can I just say Santa Claus? Okay. All right. So we are going to just tell them that there's no batteries or the iPad is broken or something horrible has happened to the iPad. You can absolutely say, you know what? You know, I, um, I'm a very strong-willed person and I don't think children should run the household. And I also, when I tell them that that's what we're going to do, that's what we're going to do. So I'm just, I usually am pretty straightforward. We're just no longer going to do that because this is a new rule in the house. Right. That's it. And then when they're little, talking to them about what's happening to their brain, do they care? No. <laughs> if your child cares, please elaborate as much as you want to. But sometimes you're just like, we're taking the screen away. Done. Right. Um, another thing is, what we haven't realized is the effect on screens. Re this, what's happened is if we look at the pandemic, we put children in front of Zoom school for eight hours a day. We have no medical evidence of what that does to a developing brain. None. So we have no idea of that time on developing brain. We do have evidence that kids who watch a lot of screens in early childhood actually are at much higher risk for anxiety and ADHD than children who don't, do not do that. There's an amazing study done by a pediatrician with a mouse model. And what he did, he, uh, he made a simulation of the mouse playing video games and shows what the mouse does in a maze. So in a maze, a mouse, when the mouse comes in, there, you always, a mouse always goes around the block on the side of the maze because they're always afraid that something's going to eat the mouse. The mouse is like lowest thing on the totem pole. So they know that there's cheese, but they walk all around the perimeter, very calculated before they get to the cheese. After the mouse has been in an environment that simulates screens and video games, and actually cartoons, like, today's cartoons are intense. Right. And if they've been for a significant amount of time, several hours on these cartoons, they put the mouse back in the maze and the mouse's behavior is all over the place. He's bouncing all over the place. He has no fear of what's going on. And his path is so incredibly erratic, pretty much like the mind of a child who now has developed ADHD, anxiety, or depression. Right. When we look at screens, children under the age of two should have zero screen time. Right. I know there's a lot of stuff out there. They're like, oh my gosh, but if they watch baby Einstein or this other thing, they're going to be reading chapters by 18 months. There's no reason a child should be reading chapter books by 18 months. That's just not developmentally normal. Not, um, and what is being right. 
Right. I know. What they need, what they need is to have skin time and bonding time, right? They need skin time and bonding time and make eye contact with their parents and other caregivers. That's what they really need. And, you know, I, I, we were talking about this a little bit before, you know, we started is that many children are now being found to have attachment disorders because the parent is distracted with their own screen time and they're not interacting with their children and, you know, really uh, cultivating that attachment, that back and forth, that dance that you have to have that, you know, when children are growing up, they need to be connected to you. And so what happens is now as they get older, they have issues attaching, you know, or disruption of attachment to other people as they get older. So it's really, really um, scary, you know, when you see this happening, because that alone, just that alone is enough to cause serious psychiatric issues as, as they become teenagers and adults. Absolutely. I mean, the, all, the children learn at home how to have manners, how to do eye contact, how to negotiate, how to navigate the world. And if at home they're on screens all the time, they're not learning that key interaction with the world. And to your point, when we're not making the proper bonds with our caregivers, that actually does carry out into long-term. And now I have parents that come in, they're like, you need to fix this one. You know, there's something wrong with this one. I'm like, no, there's a bond broken and the parent is so addicted to their device. They're so preoccupied with what they're doing that they can't properly give the quality time needed. Here's the thing, guys. The number one love language of all children is quality time with their parents. It's not gifts. I know you're like, yeah, but they get really happy when I buy them stuff. That, that's fleeting. That's not it's what temporary. they want. Not they want, they want quality time. In the 1980s is when we started seeing a huge shift from quality time to monetary and gift giving. So parents start because their life became so busy around the 80s, they replaced quality time with gifts. And now we have children who just like want more and more because you're trying to quench your thirst for love from your parents or from your spouse or from whatever with stuff. So us Americans, especially, we just hoard stuff in order to fill our hearts with love and the stuff does not equal love. Right. And so that's really difficult right. um, to, to have that uh, as an issue. I agree. I completely agree. Yeah. We could talk about that forever. <laughs> There's yeah. so many problems with, with that, the connections with people. And I love what you said about, um, about not having screens at the table at the dinner. Well, I'm assuming at the dinner table, but you, you mentioned breakfast and, uh, there's research that shows that when families sit together for dinner every night, that there's significantly reduced, uh, uh, rates of addiction and other pathologies just because of one change having dinner as a family every single night. So that's something that we do, uh, we did a, as a family. And there was no, and we, that, that was a rule we had in our family too, no screens at the table, no screens at the table uh, right. for anybody, not just the kids, anybody, the whole family, no screens at the table. I think that is so important. In fact, actually is the chapter number one, first chapter in my book. It's talking about family, family time, the dinner, mm -hmm. the meal time. Mm -hmm. We are so busy these days. I call it, this is the only time that we have our family meeting because everyone is running in every direction. You never get to see them. And then when you make that connection at dinner from toddlers to teenagers, it is the most important time of the day. And I 
completely agree, no screens. And so the challenge for anyone listening is going to, when we go out in public, leave your child's iPad at home. First of all, the fact that children have their own iPads, mind blowing, but whatever. Um, But here's the thing, leave the iPads, leave any devices at home. When you go to a restaurant, there should be no plan B. When you go to a doctor's office, no plan B. When you're at the grocery store, no plan B. Because that's how children learn how to be bored, how to come up and be entertained. You have to converse and interact with the kids. Is it annoying to talk to your kid who wants everything at Costco? It is. But that's how you actually learn the art of communication, negotiation, and talking to them. They have to learn patience. They have to learn their turn. These are all important skills that an iPad is not going to teach them. And, you know, I feel so strongly about it. I get so upset. You know, we were just at a brewery with my husband the other night and there was a table of kids and all of them had their iPads watching movies. I'm like, my mind literally, I was like, wait, we're outside in a beautiful area. Yes, they don't like the music, but how do you learn music appreciation if you're not actually exposed to it? Instead, you have your headphones on and listening to a video game in the middle of an outdoor experience. And I've seen this at kids shows. I mean, the children are in the children's theater with iPads in front of them. I'm like, what are we doing? So we have, we are depriving our children of experiences and the human interaction because these devices are so easy. I'm not, I'm not arguing so easy, so addicted. I try to check email. And then an hour later, I'm on Instagram doing DMs. I'm like, what? I, you're like, right. It's so easy. And these things are made in a specific ways to get our brains more and more addicted. So it's not your fault. It's not my fault. This is how these devices are made. We just have to be cognizant and be aware that we got to do it differently. Right, right. So any other tips besides leaving the uh, screen, uh, screen time, uh, the screen pads at home? On oh, you, yeah, you, if, you know, about- I do. You know, I do. You know, it's one of the things that a lot of, it was very popular when I go out with my kids. I, you know, my whole life is on Instagram. And one of the things I have, my, I have my kids are adults and we were at a restaurant and I brought card game and we had like exploding kittens and we had like pizza, taco, goat, some other silly game. And everybody's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, sometimes, I mean, we can have cerebral conversation. My kids are adults, right, but right. sometimes it's boring. Right. And you're just like, let's play a game. And then we make it fun. It's like my adult kids become little kids again. But if you have little kids, there's so many games that you can play and, you know, going around the table, getting creative on, okay, we got to sit in line. We got to wait for our table for 45 minutes. Right. What else can we do? We right. Do the same thing. We do the right. same thing. We have a deck of cards on us all the time, all of the time. And we, we uh, played, we played cards at the table at every restaurant, even if it was a fine dining restaurant when the kids were right. little and we had a great time. And now we, even as my kids being adults, any trip that we have as a family trip, we pull out the cards because it's just, it's just a fun thing that we do. And it's a, it's a pastime. It's a way we bond and it's, it's so much fun. And it's always, it's just a way to connect with each other and, and you're doing something that's, you know, real physical as opposed to and, and interacting with each other. Right. But, you know, I'm so glad you brought that up because here's the other thing, you know, we go like, oh, they're four, they're five, they're annoying, they're, you know, they're difficult, right? Because I mean, my kids, well, I'm, I'm speaking for my kids, they were annoying. And I love them dearly, <laughs> but that doesn't mean they're not. Anyway, but when you're creating a different culture that the expectation at the restaurant, we're going to come up with games at the restaurant, we're going to, when they grow, when they get, they're older, now they're adults, they want to hang out with you. 
Right. Because they are now, they have a warmth. They have that connection back to that initial bond. So my kids want to come home. They want to be silly with us at the table. They want to play the ridiculous games. And of course, make fun of me because that's everyone's <laughs> favorite pastime. And that's okay. But instead of now they're recluse, they're isolated. They sit at the phone. They'd rather be on TikTok on watching videos because there's no connection with their parents. Why would I come home? So the, the habits we instill in them when they're young are actually the habits that will carry with them into adulthood so a lot of times like they're young they're fine no actually everything you do right now is the question you should have in mind is this the habit i want them to have for the next 25 years so because sometimes simple things end up becoming really big things later on absolutely absolutely and the other thing that happens when you have a lot of time with them and being silly with them and just talking about stuff other than did you get your homework done? Did you do this? Did you do that? And giving, you know, firing questions. What did you do today? You know, is, is that they just get to know you as a, as a person. And then they, you develop a trust where then when they when, when things happen that are scary or embarrassing or really tough to handle, they'll come to you because you've developed this foundation of trust through those experiences from young childhood. Yeah, I, I totally right. agree with you. And then, you know, for mental health, I mean, once they had developing that trust, they'll tell you about bullying. They can tell you that they're feeling sad, that they're having suicidal ideation. Well, they might not tell you about suicidal ideation, but now you're so comfortable with your kids that you're comfortable asking about that. You know, you can ask them about substance abuse, about sex, about drugs, about alcohol, all the different things, which a lot of times when we feel disconnected to our children, we don't want to bring it up. But if you're always talking and being goofy and it's a warm environment, those topics are not that taboo. You can bust out a question anytime. You can be sitting at the dinner table and be like, is anyone watching porn? This is literally a question at my dinner table. And you know, when my husband brings that up, I've choked on my meal and everybody like falls apart laughing. But then we have a real conversation and we're really talking about where's your mindset? What are you doing? What are you watching? Who's watching? When you're watching what, you know, and instead of making things taboo and no, do you want to talk about porn? No, I don't want to talk about that with my children, but it's so important. And when you have open conversations and they know that screens are not allowed and we have that combo and I'm going to be looking you in the eye, they're, ex they're not surprised by of a conversation that's going to take a turn in a little bit of an uncomfortable world. They know how to be uncomfortable and they know how to have those tough conversations, which prevents anxiety and depression later on. Right. Right. And with other people, because they practiced it with you. Yes. That's totally. so perfect. So perfect. Everything you're saying is just right on. I, I love everything you're saying. So I would, like I said, I could talk to you forever. So I'm going to switch gears. Let's, how do you get your kids to sleep? How do you get <sighs> them to bed and sleeping? <laughs> perfect segue, perfect segue, because my last tip on electronics is going to be no screens in the bedroom. <laughs> One of the biggest killers of sleep are these devices. You know, one of the things that happened when we didn't have electricity, there were no sleep problems. No one had sleep difficulties. Then they invented the light bulb, which we love the light bulb. But once the light bulb was invented, sleep issues started becoming a problem. Once the iPhone became a, a thing or the Blackberry, whichever, have your pick. <laughs> sleep issues became a, a, a humongous issues. And now we're at the worst rates of insomnia ever. When we don't sleep, you guys already know, that actually translates to anxiety, behavioral issues, mood issues, depression, ADHD, not to mention 
immune system dysfunction, which sets us up for being um, vulnerable to viral illnesses like the flu, COVID, adenovirus, and the rest. But so screens are the biggest killer. When kids watch screens in the middle, excuse me one second, pardon me. When kids watch screens before bed, it actually lowers their melatonin level. When the sun is out, our melatonin levels are down. When the sun sets, melatonin goes up. Screens, it doesn't matter if you're watching the Muppets or you watch Muppets, like how old am I? If you watch it, anyway, you're watching whatever cartoon that sounds really trendy right now um, is on and it's not a violent show. It's actually the blue light that is the same as the blue light from the sun that goes into your kid's eyes and it tells the brain sunshine, the sun is out. So the body naturally lowers melatonin. Where melatonin is down, kids have trouble falling asleep, staying asleep, and then they wake up super early in the morning. So watch the screens. There should be no screens in children's bedrooms ever. Teenagers, never. Repeat after me, never. There should be no, no phones in yours, dear adults, in your bedrooms. And a lot of people are like, oh my God, but it's my alarm. Fun fact, Target and Amazon still sell alarm clocks for $10 that you can put in your room. All phones should be in a central charging device in the kitchen. We have a massive thing in a drawer. And in the morning, when I wake up, if there are phones that are missing, those phones get confiscated for the next 24 hours. And that's happened to my kids who go to high school. And my, uh, one of my sons was like, I have everything on my phone. I can't give my presentation. And I was like, look at me, don't care. You violated the rules and you should have your work saved on multiple devices, not just the phone. But thanks for trying though. See you later. <laughs> and let me tell you, it didn't happen after that, but you have to follow through with consequences. Exactly. exactly. So no phones. And Never also make the threats without consequences. Always that, follow through. That is like the one pet peeve that I have with people. It's like they say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Well, there's no follow through. So they know you're not going to follow through. So they're not going to do it ever. You got to follow through. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what? As a parent, it hurts. But I always, I'm like, if you're sitting there and it hurts and you're so depressed that the child didn't listen and you had to do the consequence, you're doing an awesome job as a parent. Exactly. You should not feel, oh my God, I'm so amazing all the time. Everyone's happy in my household. The, our job is to make some hard choices and decisions. Parenting is hard. Learning is hard and it's okay. Um, and another thing I wanted to say too is Wi-Fi. So a lot of people have Alexa and various Wi-Fi devices, yeah. your Wi-Fi monitors and Wi-Fi sound machines. All Wi-Fi wi devices should also be out of your room. Sorry, because the Wi-Fi at night wakes up the brain. The brain's awake is not going into deep sleep. So just oh, and some sometimes I have kids that are sleeping above, like right next to where the routers are or the bedroom is right above a, an area where the routing system is. Right. Careful, I'm not saying everybody, just something to keep in mind for nighttime sleep issues. Absolutely, absolutely. I actually had a patient who was, in uh, an apartment complex and they had this whole bank for the whole apartment complex of, uh, I don't know what they call them, smart thingies, I don't know, but you know, a whole bank of them for the whole apartment complex and her apartment was next to that and she could not sleep and got very, very depressed. And somehow or another, she just learned about Wi-Fi and EMFs and she asked to have the apartment changed to a different part of the complex and her depression and sleep got significantly better. Yeah. I mean, it really can affect certain people pretty badly. And so it's, a, it's important to consider that possibility. 
Yeah. Right. And just because it's not affecting you doesn't mean it doesn't affect your child. Because a lot of people, like we all th- see the world with our perspective, right? If I'm hungry, they should be hungry. If, you know, if I'm thirsty, they should be thirsty. The world does not, is not you. And you may not have any issues with Wi-Fi, but your child does. Remember that children are not small adults. They're actually different humans with a different metabolism. Their brain is developing so incredibly fast. They absorb nutrition, Wi-Fi, pollutants so quickly because their body is operating very differently than an adult body. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, the good thing about kids is that, you know, they, because they haven't grown up, a lot of changes that you can make nutritionally and by lifestyle changes, they respond so much quickly, so much more quickly than adults do as well. So you can get them well pretty quickly if you can do these different strategies that you've talked about, and especially the tips that I love about getting food in to these little bodies so that they can get well and heal. So any other tips that you have before we close, anything else that you think Everybody's got to know right now. <laughs> right. So one of the things with screen time, because I know that people are going to be upset. If you want to do screen time in the evening, do it before dinner. Changing the screen time before dinner reduces nightmares, reduces night terrors, um, and reduces um, their issues with falling asleep and staying in their bed. If your child has a sleep issue, also talk to your doctor about iron because low iron levels actually cause sleep issues like restless leg syndrome, um, nightmares, sleepwalking, so many other things. So if you're a child, you've done all these other things that we talked about, have your child's iron levels be checked because that could actually make a difference. And a lot of parents give their children melatonin when the child actually needs more iron. And then in the end, really just realize that all the things we're talking about are not easy. And the reason that most people don't do them and laugh at people who do them is because they're not easy and nobody wants to do the hard stuff. But the hard stuff is what has kept my families in my practice and in my courses without going to the ER for COVID, urgent care issues, no cardiology, no multi-system inflammatory condition. You know, we've not, we navigate flu season without antibiotics or medications or steroids and stuff like that. The stuff that we're doing right now, not only is going to help you have a strong immune system, but it will also prevent side effects that are going to lead to things that are going to manifest like such as anxiety, depression, and other mental health illnesses. And the rates these days, guys, are astronomical. The rates of teen, excuse me, yeah, the teen suicide in females is up 50%. Overall anxiety in children is up by 50% over the past two years. And everything we talked about today is actually three of the root causes that have that one of the reasons they're the reasons that we're seeing such a significant increase. Absolutely. absolutely. I do want to add that iron, low iron is also a reason why some children have ADD too. Absolutely. Iron is super important for the brain and depression and fatigue. If you have debilitating fatigue without iron, you can't function. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Anna Maria, I'm so happy to have you today you know, talking about all these issues and, and solutions. I love everything that you said, and I'm, I'm so grateful. So I know people are going to love this episode, and hopefully we'll get some 
kids happy and healthier and, and as well as their families too, not just the child alone. So really thank you for coming on to my show and giving these fantastic tips for us. I'm sure everyone's going to love them and I want to make sure that people know how to find you. I, your website is dranamaria.com and your Instagram is at Dr. Anna Maria Temple. I love all of the videos that you do with your son. And you're also on Facebook slash family wellness tips. And I know you are offering a free chapter of your breakfast ebook. Uh, and I'll give the link in the show notes as well as email. So uh, I'm, I know that if everybody goes to her Instagram, she's got fantastic tips for you on a daily basis and they're fun to watch. All right. Thank you. Thank so you so much. much. Yeah. Great. Take care. Thanks. You too. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. I hope that you will join me in the future. If you are interested in working with me, please go to www.achinasteindo.com to book a discovery call. There you may also download for free the first three chapters of my book. I hope my work enlightens you, gives you hope, and moves you forward on your journey to a better mood and fulfilling life.